information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Klass. And on today's show, folks, we have Mark Poiziel, who is the Vice President, Firm Services and Global Alliances at the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. And... Prior to joining the AICPA, Mark served as director of media planning for a political consulting firm in New York, Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Might ask him a few questions about that in the uh, current presidential season. And he was also, he's also been named on the top 100 most influential people in accounting by Accounting Today from 2008 to 2014. Mark, welcome to the Soul of Enterprise. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Ed. Thrilled that you're that you're here and able to talk about some of these issues. Um, as you know, one of the first, one of the reasons I wanted you on was because of the book that we had a chance to interview Daniel Suskin on last week's show, which was is the future of the profession. So we're definitely going to ask uh, for your opinions on that. I know you've had a chance to read it, but before we get there, why don't you give us a little bit of your your bio? How'd you get from <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo to uh, North Carolina at the AICPA. <laughs> Thanks. Well, yeah, I spent. Uh, I did my time in public accounting, like we all did, right? So uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I served in, my time. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, two local firms in Buffalo. Uh, first one for three years, second one for nine years. Uh, then left to go work for a client. Uh, the client was after me actually for about a year in political media. So I became a uh, the the head of the, the media planning department, actually. So I, I, in essence, left what I consider to be the profession in total, although Barry Melanson always says, uh, you never left the profession, you went to BNA. And I said, well, yeah, I guess it, that it's true, and it just shows how diverse the profession can be, right? So I had no experience doing media planning, but here I was doing it. And they liked the fact that uh, they could say that they had a CPA running their media planning department. Uh, and, and so, you know, to me, that just does prove, you know, the strength in the CPA brand and, and the fact that uh, it wasn't about the debits and the credits, but it was about having trust and faith in, in the process of what people do. Um, and then I got the call to the ICPA in 06. I uh, wrote PCPS at the time and through a couple of uh, job changes now head up uh, all of firm services and the international advocacy piece, which is very interesting as well. 
So, Mark, I remember back in the days when you worked for that media firm, and you you worked on some high-profile elections for various Senate races and congressional races, didn't you? We, yeah, uh, and so the, the the group that I worked for, we did uh, all national races primarily, nothing in our local market. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because he said the last thing you want to be doing is getting called to every kitchen cabinet meeting that's being created by the campaign. So if you could be out of town uh, for any of your clients, you were better off. Uh, and so it was Senate Congressional had one presidential while I was there, and, uh, you know, the thing that really lit me up was public affairs. And that was amazing to me, to, to work inside the Beltway in D.C., work for major companies, and you're put to, in a, on a consulting team made up of Democrats and Republicans because you need both sides. Mm. And it gave me an appreciation coming to the Institute on what it takes to create advocacy and, and what the advocacy process we go through as a profession. And again, another strength in brand, the AICPA going to Capitol Hill, they actually look for our perspective in tax mm-hmm. policy and different things. CPA is now entering into the political arena. We have 10 accountants who are uh, in Congress currently, uh, one potential senator. We haven't had a senator in, in, since the 80s. Uh, Patrick Murphy down in, in Florida is a CPA and, and running for uh, Rubio's seat that'll become available. So it's really just fascinating to see how trusted this CPA profession is. I know we're going to beat up on professions a little later, so I want to get all, all these branding uh, theories that I have right now. Right, right. No, it's a good point. And, and Ed, Ed and I did some work for a lobbying firm in Washington, D.C., and, and it is just absolutely fascinating that, you know, just how they play kind of both sides of the aisle and know who the players are and <laughs> advocate on behalf of their clients, you know. Right, right. So, Mark, on a, on a macro scale, I, you, what I love about talking to you, it's always so fascinating because you've got this worldwide perspective on the profession because you travel the world and talk to the various institutes and organizations. W- what are some of the big major trends that you see happening in the accounting profession today? There, there's quite a few, actually. And so, you know, what I find incredibly interesting uh, on two fronts. Number one is this move back toward advisory services, right? And this is where, you know, again, reading the book on the, the future of the professions and watching what the profession is doing, first and foremost, I think it's hard to argue that our firms today are doing incredibly well. Now, could they be operating better? Probably. But as far as making money, if that's the gauge, they're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you go out to any local community uh, in, the, in the U.S. marketplace now, and what used to be, you go to your rotary clubs, you go to your chambers, you go to these business meetings in the marketplace that used to be run and led by doctors and lawyers and other professionals, the CPAs are taking over those prominent spaces. So I think the CPAs have gained more prominence in, in the, the most recent years. They're running highly profitable businesses. And if I look at the differences in size firms, we have 45,000 practice units in the U.S. and associated to the ICPA anyway. Uh, of the 44,000, the 500th largest firm is 20 professionals. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we get real small, real fast, 30,000-plus sole practitioners that we have. 
And if I look at how we do business today versus how we did it 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, you know, you could be a generalist 20, 30 years ago, and you could do a little bit of everything and satisfy your marketplace. But it's kind of this uber specialization now, right? So uh, I'm going to do outsource accounting. I'm going to do tax. I'm going to do audit. I got to pick one of those things, and I got to I got to focus on it. And then if within that, maybe it's even a particular niche or a particular geography that I'm going to specialize in as well. So that's the small firm. The largest of firms, they're just conglomerations of many specializations, and they're all sitting under the same roof. And if I look at, this is data that's readily available out on Accounting Today, right? So if you were to look at the Accounting Today Top 100 list, and you looked at the 2014 breakdown of services, and you looked at the 2010 breakdown of services between A&A, tax, and advisory services, uh, from 2010 to 2014, audit and accounting grew about 6%. Tax grew about 17%. Advisory services grew 91%. Wow. And, wow. and so when I look at large CPA firms, they are not a conglomeration of CPA firm. They are a CPA-led firm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're providing overall advisory. So when we talk about future of the professions, will the CPA be it? the only profession that's out there. We've done a lot of work with the uh, Horizons 2025, and you were involved in the vision project back in the 90s. Horizons 2025 was a new iteration of that. I don't know of any other profession that's doing that type of visioning, and I think if we keep doing that, we may be able to stay ahead of this, this intermediation that they want to talk about in various professions. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. I mean, one of the interesting things in that book, The Future of the Professions, is they say the big cons- the big four's consulting revenue is projected to be larger than the consulting revenue of the biggest three consulting firms, you know, Bain, right. McKinsey, and I think BCG, or maybe it's Accenture, I'm not sure, but um, that's fascinating. So you're right, advisory services are, are being more embraced. Do, do you see these same trends, Mark, happening? You say, you know, the, there's profitable firms out there. They're, they're running their local communities. Do you, is that trend also true internationally? You know, not as progressively as you're seeing here in the U.S., especially as the rulemaking in, let's say, Europe is trying to hold that back. Now, you know, we're, we're just the, the – the, I want to say the farthest advanced capital economy, right? So we have that here, like Europe now, going to mandating audit firm rotation. And that's something that we uh, actually uh, advocated against here in the U.S. And we're able to succeed uh, in at least getting the House to pass that the PCAOB shouldn't have that authority. Uh, and it didn't go any further the PCAOB kind of dropped it. Well, in Europe, it happened. Uh, right. And we wanted to be able to advocate for that, but as a U.S. only association, we had difficulty with that. We'll get back to that at some other point in time. Some things that we're working on because we have to be in this international space. The, the, the world's getting smaller, and so these networks and associations of firms that were out there, they gain strength every day. I have to be connected to someone in, you know, you name the country. My old firm in, in Buffalo, a local firm. Ran into their CFO guy that worked with me at the firm, 
you know, he's talking to me all about his subsidiary in Belgium, actually the parent company, because they were bought by the Belgian company. Uh, here he is doing the work, and he's got to worry about IFRS and GAP. So no matter how much, you know, people want to beat up the ICPA and say that IFRS is our pushed agenda, it's not. I mean, this it's is not. the marketplace. Right. And so that growth is going to continue. And now with that audit firm rotation being what it is, they may actually have to go to consulting firms outside of their market because if, if I'm an oil and gas big four, and over here this big four is an oil and gas firm too, but they do the consulting work, well, they're the only other firm qualified to do the audit. So they mm-hmm. can't do the consulting work if, if they're going to have to get the audit in six or eight years. Mark, I wanted to ask you about that without <clears throat> getting too much into the baseball since we're both <laughs> recovering CPAs here. I don't want to bore the audience. But um, the rules versus principles debate, you know, the international standards are more based on principles and, and our U.S. accounting standards are more based on rules because of our litigious society. Do you see that changing? It's changed a little bit, I think. But no, I mean, it's going to be hardcore gap. And, you know, the question always is, are we ever going to switch to IFRS? You know, the SEC has made the closest move it's ever made this year with James Schnur, former Big Four guy, uh, as a chief accountant, and said, you know, we're going to allow for supplemental information here in the U.S., uh, to see it go away completely uh, is probably doubtful in the gap base. Um, you know, we keep saying, it, and it's 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 hard because it actually puts our our uh, our publicly traded companies at a disadvantage when you have all these other foreign issuers that are on the U.S. market who are able to use IFRS and our companies are not. Right, um, right. You know, so again, it's a challenge, but that's the regulatory environment that drives that, and it's going to be difficult to change. Sure. Well, Mark, this is fascinating, and uh, we're up against our first break. So when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna continue this conversation. I'm gonna get Ed in here, and he's gonna take over. But folks, we'd like to remind you. In the meantime, you can check out. Uh, the soul of enterprise.com to get full show notes. We'll post everything about Mark that we have up there. And uh, there's other interesting things in there. And um, that's where you can also listen to our uh, prior shows. And you, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can email us at ask TSOE at verisage.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor leading results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? 
I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're back with Mark Koisel, VP from the AICPA. And Mark, I wanted to first ask you about your title which is Vice President of Firm Services and Global Alliances. That sounds like two fairly disparate issues. How, how, do, how do you square those together, what, or what is the relationship if there is one? That's uh, a great question, and, uh, you know, it's, and I'm watching them crash together more and more every day. So Firm Services, we have a, a, a part of our website. We have a membership section, TCPS, Private Companies Practice section, what we call the home for small firms. It's all kind of practice management support for the firms. But then we also manage uh, firm size relationships that we do. We have small, medium, large firm groups that get together on a regular basis and a lot of firm intelligence and just responsible for firm things in general. And then the other side, Global Alliances, uh, is primarily our international advocacy at the Institute. You know, uh, first of all, and I mentioned we were talking about international standards before, and, and so no matter how hard we try uh, to to say we're the U.S. and here's all of our standards, again, you have this kind of convergence of things happening internationally. So the International Federation of Accounting Coalition, IFAC, uh, has about 10 committees. So we have a committee member on every one of those committees, and we have a technical advisor every one of those committees, and my team kind of manages that relationship in addition to the IPAC board members we have. And with all of that, so there's an auditing standards board. For every standards board that we have here in the U.S., there's a mirror board like that internationally. And so they're setting standards internationally. We're setting standards in the U.S. And, you know, they are talking to each other. They have to because, you know, the example when, when Ron was talking and I mentioned about this this old client of of old firm, you know, based here in, in in the U.S. but has a parent in Belgium. Well, the Belgian parents got to be audited under the international standards set by IAASB, and the, the local ones being done by our standards. Yet it's going to be the same audit firm, and they got to talk to each other, and they got to make sure that things are consistent. So this this kind of international view becomes essential. And so it does affect my firms and talking to our firms. But some of our firms that may not be doing audit, maybe they're tax only or outsourced accounting, may not see the effects of that. Uh, but it is affecting their accounting standards with uh, GAP and, and the things that we're doing with that. 
although they don't think of themselves as international, uh, every just about every one of our members, CPAs, are getting involved with international issues. I'll have a, I'll have a member come up to me and say, you guys keep pushing that international thing. I'll never be international. They say, by the way, i got to go. go. i got an expat in Germany that i got to call and figure out their tax return. I'm like, I thought you just said you didn't do international. Well, I don't. Well, what is that? Well, I'm doing a U.S. Yeah, for somebody in Germany. Right? That's international. If they don't live right. here, that's international. And so the, the world is converging like that more and more every day. But just making sure debits equal credits all around the world, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, you know, having a, a consistent platform around uh, around the world, there's there's a greater need for that every day. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, so whether it's firms or uh, the international side, the international advocacy really affects a lot of what our uh, what our firm members are going through. And, and I wanted to ask you about that, and you, you mentioned the the platforms and the international nature of it and the importance, and I think that's true. But what other trends in technology do you see specifically affecting the, the practice of accounting, both here in the States and, and internationally? Well, again, going back to the book on the future of the professions, the minute they have a computer who can figure out empathy, we'll put most CPAs out of business because there aren't many empathetic CPAs that I've ever met over time. <laughs> But I think that's true of doctors, lawyers, and everyone else, right? So, and I kid about that. But that's the, you know, and, and Ed and Ron, and we've all had this conversation about, uh, you know, what type of service do we provide to the marketplace? And we are this, this technical, we were, we were technical workers for the longest period of time. And then technology kind of moved us from being the technical workers doing the debits and the credits to being the knowledge workers. And this goes back to the book on the future of the professions. But what are we now? And, it, you know, the term, I think, and I think it was Ron that started it, uh, was that we are really service workers, right? So we're going to mine through the different issues that the client has, no matter what those client needs are, and we're going to get them taken care of. And so technology helps us today to, we're not doing the debits and the credits, but we can now have deeper conversations with our clients. We can talk to them about different things. And for the future of the CPA, to stay that step ahead of that technology is going to be critical. You know, is, will there ever be a day that uh, the computer will outthink a CPA? Maybe. Will they be more empathetic? Maybe. But, I, you know, when I see that future world, it's not ever only the professions, it would be, you know, just, it would it'd be the burger flipper too, right? I mean, there's no reason why, you know, you can argue about the structure of the professions. And as we watch professional service firms evolve into something outside of just a single only professional organization, uh, but, you know, the, us for us, it's, it's staying ahead of that technology and then utilizing the technology for, uh, for good and, and for being able to do more with our clients. You think back, and this goes pre-my days, and it may have been, uh, you know, part of Ron's days, but I think barely at the, as, as he entered the profession. Uh, you know, everyone talked about these tax processing centers. If you talk to, you know, someone who's been around the profession for 40 years, so in the old days when you were lucky to have a computer in your office, uh, you know, they used to send out tax returns to the tax processing centers. 
Then, oh, my God, we had these things called desktops. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to do all these tax returns in our house. Everybody said at that point, we were being disintermediated, right? And yet, we're more profitable than ever. We're probably doing more work than we ever have as far as the number of clients and things. Uh, but uh, being able to adjust to that marketplace and figuring it out and, and getting paid for that technology at the same time, I think is critical. And as long as we have all these uh, clients out there who, you know, any one of them, can, it's, it's not like we're hoarding our knowledge as CPAs. The knowledge that we have, you can generally find on the Internet probably anywhere. But the application of that knowledge is what brings the CPA to the forefront. Well, well, sure. I mean, and you know, one thing that I had for you here is is it's 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 very probable that sixty to seventy percent of tax returns prepared in the United States today could probably be done automatically by the government, and them sending sending you the form to say, "Is is this right?" Right. And you know, of course, I'm I'm sure that that would not be something that the AICPA would lobby for, but at the same time, that that's that's the reality of how. Uh, how, how how things are evolving, and then at the same time, you also have the uh, the, the probability of you know a one hundred percent audit of everything. Well, then it just becomes a question of well, what what is the right frequency? Is it still a year? Maybe we sh- maybe audit should happen more frequently or it's less frequently. Yeah, well, and it, we're looking at this. We see data analytics coming down the pike like crazy. So you talk about audit, right? And that the hundred percent auditor. Now it will change our business model significantly if and when that gets fully implemented and adopted. But, and as our Horizons 2025 uh, prediction over the next 15 years is moving from purely a financial statement auditor to being the trusted attester. And what are we attesting to? We may not know yet. And that's going to be the benefit of what we have because you're going to have all these IT systems, right? Uh, And so there's going to be some level of assurance needed that that government system that they're using is capturing the right data. And so, you know, with, with some level of, of comfort in being able to do that, not only that, but then you're going to have the security aspect of that that is also going to have to be attested to. Now, does that sound so IT the CPA shouldn't be doing it? Well, CPAs are already doing it in the SOC engagements that are out there now. So it's being able to adjust our standards to, to be that trusted attester as we move forward. Well, and that's where I'm going to loop in another book that, that Ron and I talked about at the end of last year, and that, and that is Humans Are Underrelated, uh, or un, um, Humans Are Underrated, and the whole concept of, well, maybe, maybe this is, this is a, a specific area that we don't want a machine to take over, right? This, this attestation that you mentioned is, is not something that we were are all willing to just turn over to a machine and an algorithm. So, um, and, and with the tax, I mean, well, first, um, thinking that the IRS is going to have the ability from an IT perspective to take over getting all of our financial information and confirming that, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to the grave, and that's not going to be implemented yet. <laughs> fair fair enough. <laughs> I'll believe it when they right, get the right. Obamacare website running. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I, but it's it, it's not only that, and it, it's not it's just yes, the, the the returns could be done, but I'll get, I'll use myself as as an example here. For the last couple of years, I've done my personal return using a online system, and 
to be honest, and this is the big challenge I think that you have, Mark, is it, it did a better job interviewing me and asking me questions than my accountant actually did, which is why I'm using the online system. And one of the things that I think where uh, that, that bookkeepers even have a little bit of an advantage today over the accountants is the fact that they are are uh, uh, more emotionally equipped to deal with the handholding that is being demanded now. Right. Well, and that's a, so I believe that the millennial generation of our CPAs uh, will be able to handle that just fine. In fact, I'm meeting more and more small firms every day, sole practitioners who are going out and they're creating that system and they're working for the type of client that they want in a particular industry, in a particular niche, how, what, when they're going to work on it. And so we're seeing this resurgence of the sole practitioner. And many said the sole practitioner was going to go away because of the tax issue, as you had mentioned. Well, the, the sole practitioners, like the Phoenix, are out of the ashes, rises a new and different sole practitioner than what was there a number of years ago. Yeah. Well, th- this is great, Mark. Thank you so much. We're up against our next break. What well, we want to remind you that you can view show notes as well as the previews to future shows on thesoulofenterprise.com. If you want to review our podcast version of, of our show here, please go to thesoulofenterprise.com slash iTunes. We love those reviews, as well as get a copy of our book, also entitled The Soul of Enterprise, and we would love for you to review that on Amazon. Those things are the currency for us, and we really appreciate if you'd keep that up. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Azamba. <laughs> We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. 
welcome back, everybody. Here We're here with my longtime friend, Mark Coiseal. He's the Vice President of Firm Services and Global Alliances to AICPA. And Mark, you talked about the idea of 100% audit, and this was something that the book, The Future of the Professions, brought up. PwC's, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Halo Audit Software runs algorithms through entire data sets. So that means no more audit sampling. They can basically audit 100% of customer transactions. And to me, this is very similar to, say, what IBM is doing with Watson and some of these other um, platforms that they discuss in the book, like communities of experience, like patients like me. Do you see any other smart systems, AI systems coming out of the the profession um, similar to PwC's Halo system? There's going to be a variety of uh, AI systems around the audit space. Uh, and Halo won't be the only one. Uh, data analytics is going deeper into uh, a lot of different things. However, uh, that also breeds opportunity for each of these firms from the consulting standpoint. So for the companies that they're going to audit, they're going to continue to be auditors. Maybe their, their business model changes in how they hire auditors, but there is because there will be less work up front. Some of that grunt work now with the sampling and things of that nature be gone, but we still have to follow up on inconsistencies that are found, and we still have to follow up on certain audit anomalies that are there that, that are found along the way. But that system, that data analytics is there, and the ability to be able to do that is going to open up a whole new consulting opportunities for these firms on how to really take big data and make it usable within an organization, right? And you're seeing more and more of that every day. And the CPA firms and these consulting firms are, are an active part of that. You take Netflix as an example, and their smart data created House of Cards, right? I, you heard the story. So Netflix, uh, through their data and their analytics of people who were renting things from them, figured out that political shows were highly popular and for whatever reason, Kevin Spacey was highly popular, so let's create a political show with Kevin Spacey, and guess what? It's highly popular. So looking at uh, buying habits, looking at trend analysis, and sales opportunities, and inventory flow, the CPAs and the firms, especially on the consulting side, will again re-leverage that, that AI uh, that's being created, but still have the conversation with the client about what it all means. Right. You know, uh, Ed just showed me a commercial earlier uh, this morning, Mark. Uh, it's IBM, and it's for IBM Watson. And it's talking about all the different things that Watson can do. I mean, the capabilities of, of Watson are amazing. And at the very end of the commercial, it says IBM, something to the effect, helping cognitive enterprises does that sound like cognitor to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Folks, that's an inside that. CPA so, joke. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. a very inside CPA joke. But for those of you who are CPAs or were familiar, cognitor was very controversial issue. But uh, back in the day, I was pro-cognitor. And Mark, you were too, I remember. And I, I still think it would have been and still would be a wise move. Uh, but, but there is something similar to cognitor, isn't there? Yeah, I don't want to say it's similar, but um, one thing that we're working on is with this joint venture. So we, we created the CGMA four years ago, and it's a joint venture with SEMA out of the U.K. 
and it's, it's really uh, been beneficial for our, our members in business and industry. So 412,000 members of the AICPA, 40% of which are in business and industry. And they said, I need a way to kind of differentiate myself and my skill and get training around the skill set that I have, and that's the management accounting piece. And that's exactly what we're talking about here is being able to do that analysis and analyze and be useful to all these other departments within a business organization. And so that joint venture four years ago when it was created, and we picked SEMA, and SEMA picked us because we didn't have overlap in any one particular market, and we operated very similarly. So picked SEMA, SEMA picked us, and at that point we said every couple of years we're going to look at the joint venture, make sure it's working, and then determine its future. And that future is now. Uh, there's a proposal to our members to create a new international overarching association that would uh, have two subsets to it, almost like subsidiary groups. One would be AICPA US, would function as is functioning today. Members get the same benefit, same great stuff. But if they vote for it, this, this, they would automatically be in that international association. It's not a, it's not a new credential. It's not a, a new anything. It's just leveraging the two organizations internationally. I like to equate it to firm associations or networks. Any one of those have an international body and they have their particular regional body. That's, and the advocacy example we talked about before on, uh, mandatory audit firm rotation, had we had this de- delivered then, that conversation may have been different for us. We may have been able to be at that table in Europe to effectuate what was going on there. So it's, and if you go to uh, AICPA.org forward slash horizon, there's a lot of information. I can't do it justice in 30 seconds, but, uh, you know, we're going to be asking our members to vote on that come, uh, come the spring. And it's not about voting yes or no for CGMA. CGMA is here to stay. I mean, it's been successful. For those who want to have it, great. Uh, just like we have other specialty credentials and designations for our valuation folks and financial planning and all these great things, uh, you know, it, that's not what this vote is about. This vote is about setting ourselves up for the future so that we have advocacy and operational efficiencies in, in running the two organizations better. Right. And CGMA being the um, Certified General Management Accountant, is that right? Yes, Chartered Global Management Accountant. Chartered Global, okay. Um, yeah. And so, and and SEMA it, it, was already doing that, 140,000 members. If they have our 400,000 members, now we have, the, it, with this international association, if both sides vote and we both have to do the same vote, uh, then if with with these votes, and if they're positive, then this international association that would be created would have 600,000 members. No additional dues, no additional costs, really. The the minor costs of creating the association, the general blend, I mean, you're going to have representation from both sides of existing uh, boards and councils. So uh, it's just like having one extra meeting a year rather than creating a whole new infrastructure around it. So... A lot of efficiencies will be created. My international team is asking me about what they do. You know, SEMA has six of the ten uh, committees that they're on, and we're on all ten of them, and we each have technical advisors. Boy, it'd be great to get rid of uh, one or, let one or two of those people stay home because we already got it covered by the other group. 
Right. That's what that type of international association could do for us. You know, back to the book, The Future of the Professions, those guys say, and they say this about all professions, so they're not just picking on accountants, they're picking, you know, lawyers, doctors, architects, journalists, teachers, clergy. They say that the professions are unaffordable, antiquated, opaque, and underperforming. I, I get the sense from you that you, you think the accounting profession, at least, is doing things and, ha- and taking initiatives that, that are changing some of that. I do, and I think they always have, and that's been the beauty of it. Now, unaffordable, you know, I think that there are people that uh, are not using CPA services, but there's other providers out there to get a tax return done or to go directly to, um, you know, TurboTax or any of these online providers. uh, You know, so, but that's always been there, and it's not like, these, uh, I forgot the stat that they use, what, 6 million or whatever the number was of the number of users who are using some type of a online platform to get their tax return done. Right, 48 like million. they all came from CPAs. Right, right. No, they, yeah, H&R Block, EAs, whatever. Yeah, that's exactly. true. Exactly. And, you know, it's the same thing I, I think we see in other pieces of our profession. Now, you know, I think that you've watched the medical profession morph into... Uh, something that is far different. And we watch this, actually, as I watch my clients, right? Uh, so you used to have, whether it was an orthopedic surgeon or uh, your, your just general family practitioner, they lived on the corner, and that's where their office was, and that's where you went, and they had one nurse secretary, and they had the doctor, and they would come and see you, and they'd come out to your house, and all the other fun stuff that the medical profession did. Then they morphed into these doctor groups, right? And that was yep. back in the 90s into the early 2000s. And now those doctor groups are being eaten up by these huge hospital networks. And so you've watched the medical profession from a business standpoint morph into something far different than it's ever been. Then we talk about the technology. I mean, I'm always fascinated as they talk about these um, with the pacemakers and the fact that, you know, through Wi-Fi, they can uh, monitor the pacemaker, and that's actually eliminating business. So that's eliminating actual revenue in the medical profession. And I was trying to constantly bring that back into the CPA world. I struggled with it a little bit, but I did see the adaptation. I mentioned about tax processing centers back in the day. Mm-hmm. All of that, you know, we've adjusted. And as long as we keep adjusting and looking 15 years out, you know, I'm not going to say that everything isn't going to go away, but I think we can keep up with the market enough to do it. But that's why that vision, being visionary and envisioning out is an absolutely essential exercise. And, and you're right. We, we are one of the few professional organizations that does that. I mean, the ABA, even the AMA, I mean, they're just, they're shadows of their former selves. Whereas the right. AICPA is pretty visionary and they're, they're very strong in terms of speaking up for the, for the interests of the profession. Um, in, our, in our last couple minutes before the next break, Mark, I just want to ask you, you've read the book. And I know you're processing it through the, the lens of how does this affect the accounting profession. After reading the book, what would be your advice to a firm? To a uh, CPA firm? Uh, to a CPA or firm, professional yep. firm. Yep. Yeah, so to a CPA firm, again, I, I would say, and it, I think the best example of that, in every five years, you have to really challenge your business model and start visioning out. Not enough firms do that. You know, their long-range planning is 12 months. 
which you were going to actually talk about two tax seasons instead of one, right? <laughs> um, and, and so it really is getting out beyond that. I had a conversation with a practitioner, and these are the, you know, we have a lot of innovative folks. Is that our, everybody? No, we're bell curved like, you know, any other type of uh, profession or industry or niche or whatever you want to talk about, right? But we do have innovators and early adopters, and I'd love to follow them around and see what they're doing. And I had a firm tell me, you know, and, and Ed will give a kick out of this. I mean, when you look at how Sage has morphed itself into what it is today versus what it was back in the day, right? So when I was in practice, we resold accounting software and we said, come buy our software uh, because ours is better. The one that that firm's selling down the street is terrible. Uh, so you want to use our software. And guess what they were saying about ours? Same thing, vice versa, right? And <laughs> right. so, and now Sage has bought them all up, so no one can have that argument anymore. And it's really morphed and, and moved the the CPA market in that to be more consultative with the client. So it isn't necessarily about the system behind the curtain; it's about buying me and buying the way that we're going to help you with implementation. So I had this firm that said, "Hey." You know, uh, I sat all of our partners down and said, here's our business today, all right? So let's just put that to the side, and let's bring out a white sheet and say, if we were to develop our business today, what would it look like? Who would we serve? How would we charge for it? And what would we be doing? And so we got done with that process, and it was night and day to our current business. He said, you know what we did? We created a new business. We're going to continue to serve those little clients. That's fine, but we know that that's going to die on the vine. And this is the business that's going to grow. And that's where our new partners are going, is into that new business line. Right. Well, you know, they point out in the book, the most recognized legal brand now in the U.S. of A is LegalZoom. It's not even right. a, a law firm. I mean, so we definitely know things are changing. But, Mark, we're up against our, our last break. And uh, we'll come back and we'll, we'll finish out. But we still want to talk to you about this book and some of the consequences of it. But, folks, in the meantime, check us out on thesoulofenterprise.com or send an email to uh, Ed or myself. And we do continue to get your emails. We love your suggestions and comments on the show at Ask. T-S-O-E at Verisage.com. And now we want to hear from Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit BelieveInYourNumbers.com today. book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and again we're with mark hoisel of the ascpa mark i wanted to ask you a little bit of, again referencing back to future of the professions and there's one poignant moment in the book where they they talk about the the medical profession trying to block things such as teledoc, right? The ability to practice medicine without directly interacting with a particular patient. I just wonder if there's something that you've observed in the accounting profession where you talk to a lot of accountants who get their back up about, well, maybe technology could do that, but we shouldn't do it that way. So is there is there a teledoc equivalent in accounting? Yeah, and uh, it's ourselves. So, what's interesting, and I think when when we when we look at the future of the professions, right, and the, our profession uh, directly, you know, you talk about this teledoc thing. You know, I am amazed at some of my practitioners who say, "I'm not going to meet with my clients. I, I just got I got churn and burn. So I'm going to go through as many as tax returns. I don't want to meet with them. Drop the box off." I'll get through it. Come pick up your return. Uh, you know, get, put your credit card down, and I don't, I don't have the time to meet these clients. And so if you want to talk about who will get disintermediated in the profession, those are the professionals who are the most at risk, right? Because say we went from technical to knowledge to service worker, it's going to be the service worker who wins out. And so I think it's in the who, the what. You know, all of this, this is there, but, you know, these the clients still, I think, want peace of mind that I don't know that a computer is going to necessarily give that. I do think that, you know, understanding and, and talking to a, a live person about this and something that they still don't have a lot of comfort in uh, is going to be important. And no interview from us would be complete without asking you about timesheets. So I want to ask you, what do you – are our accountants especially still – holding on to dear life to, to keep their timesheets in place and billing by the hour, or are you st- seeing, starting to see that begin to break up as well? It's, it's breaking up. And you know what? I, and I see it more and more. So I, you know, you guys have been out there doing this for a long time and really been uh, faithful about it, which is fantastic. And the conversation, I think technology has caught up to you uh, that, People have to have that conversation now. So even though firms are doing so incredibly well, that's part of the challenge, though. This kind of complacency is created because of the success, but many people are looking at it saying, but it can't be like this in the future. So our newer firms are being created without the timesheet, and they've figured that out, and they're getting that full understanding. But if we're going to put in an audit data tool that's going to be able to audit 100% of the data, no sampling, no anything else, with little human intervention, how are we going to get paid? Right. And so the I, large firms that are creating this, that is on their ticket even. So you may not be hearing it 
out in the marketplace on a very regular basis, but believe me, strategically, every one of these big firms are looking at that saying, we're not going to survive if we're going to rely on this model of pricing to get us to a point of technology driving our service. Right. I, I think that's one of the optimistic things, Mark, because in the book they said it's not so much about the professions are going to lose jobs as those jobs are going to change. Right. And, and part and parcel of that change is the business model. I mean, if you change your business model, then the, the type of work you do and how you do that work, how you actually carry it out, whether it's technology or some other way, will change as well. And I think that's kind of the salvation here. And the other thing I just wanted to point out, you said service worker a couple times, but the term I, I've been enamored with is relationship worker. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I, I, you know, rather knowledge worker, I mean, I like it because of all the connotations, but it doesn't seem to resonate. But relationship worker, uh, it might. But let me ask you this, Mark. In the book, one of the things I found fascinating was the, the, the authors lay out future roles for the professional. And some of those roles, I'm not going to go through them all, but uh, some of them would be a craftsperson, a paraprofessional, an empathizer knowledge engineers, process analysts, designers, system providers, data scientists, you know, your whole big data thing. What advice would you give a young person or maybe a college graduate going into the profession today? I would say to pick one of those pieces, but get involved with an organization that has a capability of understanding what those different structures are. Mm. And, you know, that's where we come back to soft skills because, I will be the lead CPA. So if I'm an outsourced accountant, let's say, that parapro that you had mentioned, I'm probably going to hire a few of those. They may not be just, uh, I'm not going to hire five CPAs. I'm going to be one CPA and hire four parapros. That's how my business can be. So I better understand business. I better understand management. I better understand all of those things because me as a CPA, I don't know that I'm going to be just running through the pyramid model like I have in years past. Or I'm going to pick that IT focus on what I do. I'm going to learn the debits and credits, but I'm going to learn uh, IT function as well because I'm going to become one of those data architects that are there. But having that accounting background is going to get me that point. Right. You know, one of the things, and we're just, I wish we had more time, but I wanted to also ask about your take in the book uh, or from the book, how you think this will change recruiting and attracting people into the profession. Because one of the most poignant charges I think the authors made was not to confuse training with exploitation. You know, we, we bring these kids into these firms and we make them do the same grunt work for two years in a row. Well, if they do it once or twice, they figured it out. And this right. new technology will enable them to, to move off and do higher value things a lot quicker than maybe what they have in the past. Is that how you see it as well? There's a great chance of, you know, that the, the pyramid model, as we've talked about, uh, goes away. I mean, if if I've eliminated sampling and grunt work up front, right? I don't I, I I don't need that whole bottom tier. Maybe I need a fraction of what that bottom tier is. Uh, and and maybe everyone ends up going directly into uh, some type of a business and industry role, and that the public accountant, CPA, auditor type is going to be a more select group than what we have today. And that select group is going to come through, and the pathway actually doesn't start CPA on day one. Maybe it starts CPA in year four or three. Or, you know, there, there's going to be changes in how the, the hiring practices go. We've already seen 
significant growth in uh, those going directly into business industry or business and industry. And then that right. talent level that they have and doing management accounting and understanding systems and, and working on the day-to-day because I'm not footing a phone book starting at a, at a public accounting firm anymore, but I can get those debit and credit experiences inside a corporation. Right. As an analyst. So, Mark, last minute, you, even after reading this book, which, I, which I'm not saying is an apocalypse, apocalyptic book. I mean, you're optimistic about the future of the profession. You think we'll be able to adapt to this deluge of new technologies and, and we'll, we'll come out okay. I think it is, uh, as long as we as a profession stay on top of it, I think as our members uh, have to also understand that it is more about their legacy than their their current profitability. And there will have to be some uh, significant changes that take place in order to survive what that looks like. Excellent. But I think Mark Coisio, thank you so much. This has been just a fascinating conversation, and, and uh, perhaps we'll get you back as some of these technologies unfold and the future of the professions continues to change. But, uh, Ed, what's on store for next week? Next week, we are going to be talking about the trading game, a game that you and I have developed and played at the courses that we provide, and it's going to be some fun stuff. Excellent. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com for more information on each show, show notes, uh, additional resources and reading, and the books that we mentioned. Also, you can contact Ed and myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a tremendous weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye.